I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. Today we speak to funny woman Marianne Holt about moving to the big city. Karim Kabuh is better known by his stage name French Montana, an American hip-hop recording artist who was born in Morocco. He migrated to the States with his family when he was 13 years old. The track Unforgettable also features Sway Lee. I love, I love the city. I was born in the city. I love concrete. I like tarmac. I like curry houses. I like Indian corner shops. I like 
uh, black guys playing music too loudly in their cars as they drive past. I'm a committed mm. Britain, British urbanite. You kind of yeah. grew up in the sticks, didn't you? What was your first experience of the city like? And when was that? Uh, yeah, totally, totally in the sticks. So I, well, my my family is, my, my far distant ancestry is Persian. Mm-hmm. And then I got Dutch on my dad's side and Irish on my mum's side. And then they came we came and we landed in Devon or Dorset right on the border so yeah I was properly properly in the sticks and people talked to each other which I now think is incredible not at the time I loved it it was amazing wouldn't have changed it but I was ready to get out and just explore a bit so um so how old would you be when you decided you'd had enough of people talking to each other um <laughs> I would say about 16, 17. Mm-hmm. I want. I knew I wanted to go to London, but I was quite scared of London. I remember I'd been it. I'd been quite a few times, and I was absolutely petrified of the tube. I could not work it out, and it was it, the whole thing just was was complicated. I didn't understand why they didn't call the tube lines the colour that they were so called. You know, the Victoria line, the light blue line, or the Bakerloo line, the brown line. Do you know what I mean? lot easier than giving them other names I didn't understand it but London was not the first city I went to my first city was your hood your ends Birmingham <laughs> whoop, um, whoop. <laughs> yeah I went to University of Birmingham now as I say I went to like I sound like I graduated I did not graduate <laughs> mm-hmm. I suck it out for about five months it was like you know when you're a kid and um, I don't know what your childhood was like, but we, when we grew up, we weren't really allowed, like, we never had, partly because there was not one nearby, you had to travel at least an hour and a half to get to a McDonald's. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, the first time I had McDonald's, I was like, wow, this <laughs> is incredible. All these flavours, you know, there's a lot of junk, um, but, you know, you know it's bad for you, um, but there's some good bits when you've eaten to a point you you're quite hungry again for it pretty soon and so that was like me with the city um so but i I'm went go- to Birmingham for a bit okay i'm gonna wind yeah. you back very slightly here before we yeah. j- jump back on to birmingham which i know is yeah. uh, the uk's number one metropolis <laughs> for, for for diversity it is i, I kid you not it's gonna yeah. it yeah, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. is demographically uh majority minority already where white folks yeah. are um uh, in, in, in a minority you left the sticks when you were 16, 17 is yeah. that round about the age where people from the sticks just go you know what it's a bit boring everybody knows my business I need to get the hell out of Dodge well you get it's split in the middle really it's split down the middle because some people are inherently country and they will always be inherently country and you know, they know people, mm-hmm. you're going to marry your cousin, you know, <laughs> you, you're sorted, you know, you've got it, you've got your life, you've got your land, mm-hmm. you know, everyone knows your business and they're fine with that and good, you know, good Are there good no eligible them, but... cousins in your family? Is that really what this all comes down to? Yeah, there, there isn't, I'm afraid. Finally, I had this conversation today. Apparently, you can marry your first cousin. Did you know this? I did. I didn't know that. Anyway, I'm not saying I'm about to marry any of my first cousins. They're mostly female anyway. Um, That's legal too. 
Yeah, I know, I know, but I'm, I don't swing that way, actually. Oh, okay. Look how, did you see how country I just I don't swing that way, actually? <laughs> well, this is, this is another thing, because your accent is a total mashup of... For somebody who grew up on the, you know, on the Dorset, Devon border, you don't yeah. sound quite London. And dare I say, well, a, t- a touch Essex, even. Though, I tell you what, it depends which character I'm doing, all right? Mm-hmm. So... I've been doing a lot of my main characters, Shahrazadi, aka Shaza, my Penj Persian princess, and she's my rude girl. She's the, she's the character I'm doing. I'm doing a bit for Radio Four, but also I'm working on my new show, which has got about twelve characters in, which is why I keep going from one voice to another. So I've I've got like my Bristolian and I got my Dorset in there. So I keep finding myself going. I think my accent's quite neutral. Maybe not. <laughs> You'd think wrong. But um, get, getting back to Brum. So tell yeah. us about those first couple of months when, when you were in Birmingham. Which bits of the city did you discover? And, and how did you kind of mark that difference between that and Dorset? I think the first thing that drove me insane was... The, the you can notice massively same with London you can notice just the way people carry themselves the way people interact with each other mm-hmm. I would say it's actually not as bad in Birmingham as it is in London but there's a point when you are getting on southwest trains and you get to about Salisbury if you're going from London to like Axminster which is my station and people start talking to each other it's like this invisible law over everyone has lifted and you know no one has made eye contact no one there's no interaction and then you get past Salisbury and whoever you're sitting next to will turn to you and go do you live in London or are you just visiting I tell you something my granddaughter it's it's literally like that (laughs) and so when I when I first went to Birmingham I was like wow yeah I suppose if I'd have gone straight to London it would have been a bigger shock but certainly in Birmingham, it was one of the first things I noticed, how people interact or, or, or kind of don't interact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing I, I got onto was the food. My, I'm blessed with a, a mother who can cook extremely well. So, you know, we, we, were, we were privileged children um, in, the, in the kitchen. <laughs> but in, in Birmingham, I honestly can say up to the age of, I'm going to say 17, mm-hmm. I never had a takeaway never ever 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 did we order takeaway because that, there to wasn't me, any sounds like an abusive childhood <laughs> it does no, no quite the opposite there was a curry house in lime regis i actually worked in there lal Keela, big mm-hmm. up um and uh i think it was the uh, one only indian family um within about mm, 50 miles and I, I worked there and so uh, we had food from there when I was working there but we never had a takeaway we had no pizzas delivered nothing nothing so when I first got to Birmingham I mean if I'd have gone now and there'd been like you know just eat and deliver I probably I'd be 26 stone already <laughs> but when I first got there I was like wow you can you can be a bit hungover and you can get a pizza to your door that is incredible. <laughs> like, the thing is, like people think, I don't know, I can't say fairly or unfairly, that right in the sticks, right in the countryside, is quite a racist place. That's the, I think what people think. 
I can't comment whether it is or isn't. From where I was sitting, it wasn't a racist place. It's just there were literally no minorities. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, one black girl in my school and it was a big, big, big school. And I, I don't know why that is. I think it's probably got better from when I was growing up. But for me, walking and I, and I was in um, Edgebaston and I remember walking, what, I was I think I was meant to be going to a lesson in Birmingham and I just didn't want to go and I remember just walking and thinking oh I'm a bit lost and just walking and walking and walking and just being amazed that there there are minorities everywhere and also the whole concept that parts of the city or parts of places are housed or belong to certain minorities that had never even crossed my mind you know like in London you go to to Tooting Beck which is primarily an Indian area like that for me I was like this is incredible it's like little mini countries within a city <laughs> like it's it's amazing um and I just remember just you know wanting just to soak it all up basically but then that all came crashing down quite quickly because I dropped out the course and I went back <laughs> back to the sticks <laughs> before you tell us the reason why uh, you had to drop out of your course we need to neatly segue on to the piece of music that you've decided to uh, yeah. grace us with. Now, this woman was definitely somebody who's very conscious of her own race. And yeah. she very much was at the forefront in the 60s of uh, race relations and civil rights movement in the mm-hmm. States. It's Nina Simone. Um, tell us the reason why you like this track and what it means to you. Yeah. Oh, God, Nina Simone, Here Comes the Sun. I'm choosing Here Comes the Sun because hopefully that it's going to bring good karma and a good hot summer our way. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous track. And for me, uh, my first ever niece, her name is Nina. And when she was born, it was like, Here Comes the Sun. Here comes the sun, little darling Here comes the sun, I say It's alright It's alright Here comes the sun, little darling Here comes the sun, I say
I'm guessing, and I could be wildly wrong here, because you've probably had a little bit of an intellectual childhood, but I'm guessing that your musical education took uh, mm. a somewhat of a broadening when you moved to the city. Would that would that be fair? Uh, I would I would say yes, yeah, certainly broader. But I um, my, I come from a very very creative background. So my mum and dad are children's authors and illustrators. Uh, my twin brother is a he's a painter now. So we we had a very very creative home. So we had all sorts of music when I was growing up. Everything from Cat Stevens, Neil Young, one of my all-time favourites, Joan Armour Trading. So everything, everything. But it's mm-hmm. definitely fair to say that my I think when I went to um, when I went to the city, my musical taste was updated. I would say. Um, <laughs> It was updated, so I became a huge fan before he was big, might I add, of Tiny Temper, <laughs> right. who I ended up meeting in Birmingham. Uh, one of his first tracks, Wifey, big tune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was not necessarily broadened, but certainly, certainly updated. Basically, you were run out of Birmingham, weren't you? Run out of Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> T- tell us that story be- be- before we before we get to London. Um, basically, coming from where I did, the whole concept of going out and becoming a professional actor or going into comedy was sort of unheard of. So I thought you had to go to university to do that. And I realised quite quickly when I was there that that was not for me. So um, my sister actually just said, look, if it's not for you, you just got to make that decision. Mm. So I ended up just spending my entire student loan in about two weeks, which was wicked. Um, <laughs> doing every every rebellious thing I could in the space of about three days. Got a tattoo, got my nose pierced, binge drinking, etc. And then um, and then left and then came back home. <laughs> so um, I basically squashed all teenage rebellion into three days. Did you have a ball tea before you left Brum? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah, totally. All right. Now, the, the city isn't just diversity. It isn't just concrete and, and tarmac. Two substances which I absolutely adore. Um, it's also <laughs> economic opportunity. Yeah. Well, You wanted yeah. to be a stand-up comedian uh, and, mm. and work in the media. Mm. There's only one place in the UK to go. Surely that's London. You, you had yeah, exactly. to have landed up in London, hadn't you, really? Yeah, exactly. But I, I never wanted to be a stand-up. I wouldn't say I'm a stand-up now. I say I'm a character comedian. But I um, I knew that I wanted to go to London. And when I arrived, I went to Alra, the Academy of Live and Recorded Arts. I knew that was it. That was home. And I had the best three years of my life. I did the acting course. And then I went almost instantly into comedy after that um, on my third year. And, um, yeah, I mean, you say that about economic opportunities. I mean, I would say quite the opposite now about London in that if you are self-employed and trying to make it in some creative business of sorts, it's near on impossible. You've got to be working like seven jobs and trying to cram everything. You don't have a weekend. But then again, you know, would I go back and have the quiet, sleepy country living? Definitely not. I mean, I'd rather be working 13, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. And knowing that I'm in a position where if somebody says, right, come in here for casting or let's have a meeting or do you want to have a coffee and just chuck some ideas around? I can say, yeah, I'll be there in 20 minutes. So that's why I love London. That's why I love the city, basically. But I'm, I'm never I'm never rich. It's not happening right now. <laughs> anyway, I think money's somewhat overrated. 
Who, who yeah, needs lots of it? Who needs lots of it? Do you know what I mean? There's other ways, isn't there? Absolutely. You can make a, a quick buck. Someone, I, do you know what? I saw someone the other day doing, um, going through, you know, oh, it's terrible when supermarkets chuck out all their food just because it's gone past the best before. Mm-hmm. And you know when people go to the bins and I think... I saw this woman walking away with literally an entire week's food shop for nothing. And I'm like, hmm, just make a little note of this time and date if things get really tough. <laughs> she, got, she got a whole chicken there. She got a Sunday roast sorted this weekend. So basically, Medianol, you're saying if somebody <laughs> spots you going through the bins of Aldi, it is no reflection on the state of your career, whether you've made it or not. <laughs> Correct. Trust me, when I have my own sitcom, you will find me by the bins in Audi. <laughs> Keeping it real. Maddie Ann Holt, thank you for coming on to Friday 15. Thank you so much for having me. You're bonkers, you. Listen, I love you, I love you lots. <laughs> Turn Down For What is a single by DJ Snake and Lil Jon. Released in December 2013, the song's rather brilliant promotional video is a must-see.
dominated by this Cosmo, Who Knows Where the Time Goes is a song written by English folk rock singer and songwriter Sandy Denny. Denny originally recorded the song as a demo in 1967, singing and playing guitar on the track. Across the evening sky All the birds are leaving But how can they know It's time for them to go deserted shore Your fickle friends are leaving oh, But then you know It's time for them to go Spring again. 
Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget, you can follow the show's progress on Facebook by simply typing in Friday15. You can also find us on Twitter, where you can follow me, where I'm at Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Now, every Thursday, you can jump onto Twitter and tweet me and nominate a song for me to put into this week's Friday 15 iTunes reviews, folks, are extremely important. They're the lifeblood of any podcast. Please go onto iTunes and write us a, a glowing review. And don't forget, finally, you can email me where I'm Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today at gmail.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. See you all again in seven days' time for more good music and great conversation.